Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoone. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, it is me. I'm back. We have an awesome interview today with the founder of Latinos Run, Maria Solis Belazer. She's an amazing woman. You're going to hear all about her and from her in a second. Uh, before we get there, I need to talk about myself for a little bit here. I've got a lot going on. Um, I am in an active life transition. And I'm sinking into it, and it has been so uncomfortable, and I have mourned the loss of something really important to me, but it's also been really exciting because I know there's new things coming around the corner, and it's been very reaffirming that what I have spent the last 15 years doing has meant something to people, and that potentially it has built the foundation for the thing that... I may do next. And to be honest, that is the most common question I get right now, which is, what are you going to do next? And I'm just going to be honest, I do not have the answer. And that alone makes me feel even more uncomfortable sometimes. So I am really, truly during this transition, really learning what discomfort feels like, sort of pervasive discomfort with the concept that the thing that has brought me daily purpose, which has largely revolved around my career, which I guess on an even deeper level has largely revolved around helping women find happiness, that that is changing. And I don't know what I'm going to do next. I mean, I could go work for someone or another company. But I honestly have no idea how I could do that because I've never done that before and nobody's asked me and I have purposely not gone out and pursued that yet. Um, I could create something new. I love creating things. I'm a really good starter. We know that. I could maybe do something with Tim professionally. We've never done that before. Maybe I could do something with my daughter. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Um, and then in the midst of all of this unknowing and discomfort, I am occasionally reminded that it's okay not to know. So I occasionally swap communication with various people who listen to the podcast, one of which is the amazing Sally Greenberg. She's a longtime listener, and she is also a Patreon, a supporter of what I do, even financially. She's just amazing. She really digs into every episode and really thinks deep and applies these different messages to her own life. And anyway, we were emailing a little bit and she sent me a note and I wrote her back saying, <clears throat> I really don't know what I'm doing next. <laughs> um, and I want to be motivated to figure it out, but I just, I can't get my head to go there. Like ideas come and then they go. And I'm just, nothing to me yet is saying it's time to dig in. And she wrote this really cool message that I'm going to share with you because I think it can help. Um, I think it could help anyone. She says, one thing to share, 
please do not overtax yourself trying to dig in and figure out your next steps. It will come to you. The universe has your back. Your communities, and there are many, have your back. And when it is time, it will come to you. In the meantime, finish skirt strong. Be proud and hold your head high. Very few could do what you are doing now. You are a shining example of grace and positivity. Yes, that is exactly what I needed to hear yesterday when she sent me that email. You know, the truth is that she's right. I have an opportunity right now to put everything I have into closing this chapter in a positive way. No one ever talks about endings. We always talk about starting things. Um, And we never start things with the goal of, hey, I'm going to start this, keeping in mind that when it's time to end, it'll be like easy to end it. We just don't do that. I mean, even in marriages, when you sign a prenup, you're really not entering into the marriage thinking it's going to end. Um, the really, you don't start businesses hoping that when you end the business, it'll be nice and clean. So it's just very uncomfortable. And I appreciate her giving me permission to live and dwell in this discomfort and to even consider the dwelling in the discomfort something that could be very positive. Um, I do feel an energy shift right now. I feel it. I am working hard, not only on cruising to this finish line with skirt, but I am very, very hopeful that we will have a new owner for this company and I will be able to transition uh, properly here or in a way that feels really good. And for that, I'm already feeling grateful. So as I am ending a chapter in my life, a 15-year race, um, it actually felt really cool to talk to someone who's in the earlier stages of starting a chapter. Cool, huh? Yeah, you're probably ready for this. So Maria Solis Belazare is a powerhouse, and she has a vision. Um, She, like I mentioned earlier, is the founder of Latinos Run, She was not a runner her whole life, but she always wanted to be a runner. And in her early 30s, she rediscovered that that desire, let's call it, um, and got really got into running. And as she was running, running around New York City, doing all kinds of cool races, she started looking around and she realized that she didn't see very many other Latinos running. Um, She just couldn't find them. And maybe they're running but they weren't running races. So she started talking to people in her community and she also realized that there was a preconception that people had. And even Latinos themselves had this preconception about themselves. And that is that they are fat, lazy, don't like to exercise and definitely aren't runners. And she said, I've decided to challenge that. (laughs) Um, Until she saw other people who looked like her running, she really didn't realize that it was something that she could do personally or culturally, that it would be acceptable. 
And so she decided that she would start an organization that would bring together groups of people who would help others see that they could also find the life altering power of running. Many of you listening are runners, you know what we're talking about, and we forget sometimes, depending on our backgrounds and how we grew up and how we entered running, that many people don't look at this sport as accessible. She has been on a mission ever since. We talk all about her story, her background. Um, it's really She's a really interesting person. She, you can just feel her charisma through the phone. Um, and she is making waves. She's doing all kinds of cool things in the world. She's growing her organization. She's done a TEDx talk that is fantastic. The link is in the show notes. She's been featured by Oprah. Oh my God, that is so cool. Um, and guess what? It's time for you to hear from her now. So let's do it. Let's welcome Maria Solis Belazer onto the show. All right. So Maria, I'm so happy that we finally connected. We started playing like email tag months ago. You are a busy, busy woman. Yes, definitely am. I know we started um, touching base right before COVID hit. So yeah. Yeah. And then right, and then right after that, no one talked to anyone for a really long time. Yeah. And now we're talking again. And a lot has happened in the world since then. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So, it's been a time. So much has happened. I know. Absolutely. Okay. So, so as a busy woman who is like so in demand right now, what, tell me about like, what'd you do today? It's what three o'clock in the afternoon. And, uh, tell me about your, your average day. Well, today is my, my Wednesday is usually we do a family cooking day. So when COVID first started, it was right around my dad's birthday and he wanted us to do FaceTime to call him. We've ne I've never done with my entire family. And immediately he said at the call, can we do this more often? Texted my sister, I said, we should do some cooking stuff so that with my training for the running, we could teach each other how to cook like maybe some healthier meals, maybe some cultural meals. So my older sister got on it and every Wednesday for the last, since April 8th, we have been doing family cooking days Wednesday and today is my day and I'm doing Greek night. So yeah. So Whoa. Busy yeah. Very busy. Okay. Today. So. This totally says something about you. You are taking like what many people are considering the most negative time in their life. They're shut off from the world. They can't go out and do things, especially extroverts are like dying, right? And yeah. you turned it into an opportunity to grow and expand. Who are you? You're amazing. Well, it's really crazy because a lot of times, I mean, prior to, to this pandemic, we spend time with our family, you know? So now that because we cannot see our family, we can't, I can't get on a plane and travel anywhere, you know, without having to take so many risks. Um, you know, this is the best way for us to connect. And as crazy as it is, I feel like even more connected with them because I've never had been a FaceTimer before. So here we are spending hours every week, and now we text so much more. We're sharing meals throughout the week and our ideas, and, you know, we're going to do a website now so we can put our, you know, our thoughts and our, 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 our desserts and dishes on a website, you know, our family quarantine cooking, I guess. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's All right. We need to get the link to that site. I'm actually very curious. What are you cooking tonight? Can we post the recipe on our show notes? Yeah, so I'm doing baklava. 
um, which I've done before and I love. Um, I'm doing that. I'm doing um, a Greek salad, which is obviously tomato, cucumbers, peppers, onions, those type of things. And I'm doing a seared cod. So it's like a basil tomato seared cod, but it's all Mediterranean. I thought we'd go a little different. We've had the Mexican, we've had like our typical Puerto Rican, Belizean. So I thought I would go across the sea and um, we'll do Greek tonight. So that's what we're doing. Well, and what I love hearing is, yeah, you're leading with kind of the healthy part of the dinner, but you know, a lot of people probably have this preconception of you, a woman leading a running movement, as someone who may never treat herself to something that others may consider less than healthy, like a sugary dessert that is absolutely mind-numbingly delicious. And that's one thing I think is really cool. It's like, hey, I'm throwing that dessert in there. And in fact, that's what you told me first. So I think you're most excited about it. I am because I've never made it before and I don't put as much sugar in mine. There's a lot of honey um, and nuts and stuff like that. So there are some, you know, I have organic ingredients in there. So, but you know, I'm a Latina woman and we love our food. That's how we show love to people is by cooking food for them um, and sharing meals with each other. That's how we express love in our culture. So um, I know people see me as maybe I'm this really fit person. I am not. I'm going to make it very clear. I am not, even though I'm training for a Boston virtual marathon now. Um, I have my struggles like most women. Like, you know, I always have my struggles. Diet sugar is my problem. So, so actually, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, because you said like I always have, I have my struggles like most women. I know what my struggles are we're making kind of generalizations of what other women's struggles are, and they're probably pretty accurate. What are the struggles that you face or have faced? Um, well, I mean, my diet is always number one. You know, like I said, I grew up in a culture where we eat high fat, high salt food, and at the same time, trying to run an organization that's supposed to be healthy and fit. So for me, you know, I now I go to the park probably about five times a week, um, I do walk a lot more than I run. It's 90 something degrees out lately. So I'm dying out there when I'm trying to jog. But um, I try to get some type of activity, some type of movement in my body. Um, but I do struggle with my diet. That's just always been that way. So, you know, I know a lot of women in my community. I think that's why we're in this together is majority of us are struggling with diet or we're struggling with some type of health issues or family issues or, you know, we've all got our struggles and we come together on a platform and we kind of just help each other with it. So, I mean, that's one of the great things about running and fitness in general is it can be a great equalizer. You don't all have to be on the same sort of pace or fitness level to share the same passion. And so, yeah, I think that's a really cool, um, you know, a cool thing is that you said we come together to overcome these different barriers. Absolutely. It's kind of like therapy, you know, but you're not paying a therapist. You're just, you know, this is kind of people's outlet and it's a safe space to discuss issues that they may be embarrassed to talk about maybe on their own personal page. But when you have a, li a little safe space with your girlfriends or, you know, with your running community, you kind of feel more comfortable talking about stuff, you know, chafing. You would never write that on your Facebook, you know, page, but people say, you know, let me post here, post it out, somebody's nail falling off in a marathon. You know, you wouldn't post that typically with any other 
group. But here, people do have that safe space where they can talk about things. So, yeah. For sure. And, you know, one of the things that you've been public about posting, too, is that running is a really good tool to help with various mental health issues. And we kind of started off by talking about quarantine and like, you know, this is a time that's been very challenging for a lot of people. And I've read a lot of articles that it's actually, you know, really exacerbated some, some mental health issues, depression, other things people are going through. Do you have any personal experience with that or what's, what's your background? I've had depression, you know, many times throughout my life, whether it's the passing of a mom or just dealing in a bad relationship. I'm human like most people. Um, you know, it's just a topic that a lot of people just haven't spoken about. And now they're starting to be outlets where people can feel more comfortable talking about those private issues in a more public space and not have to feel ashamed about it, you know? Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm like anybody else, you know, just a typical person dealing with same of the same, some of the same issues that many others have. So I have my struggles, you know, I deal with being in the pandemic, like in the beginning, I was home a lot. I didn't want to leave the house, you know, all my friends were catching the virus and I was terrified of going anywhere. And then when you're home every day for months, you know, it kind of weighs on people and um, saw a lot of people's posts with extreme depression and it just breaks your heart because you don't want to see people breaking down. You know, a lot of your friends may not have money, you know, and that running those races were that outlet for them to where they can, you know, get deal with depression, you know, the issues that they had, they would go to their running community, they would go to their races. Now that that's all canceled, people are sitting at home, you know, some without a job, some without being able to pay rent, some can't even eat. Um, and your heart just breaks, you know, heart just breaks. Like, what, what can you do? We can only do so much ourselves when we're all kind of in the same boat. So, so what do what, what are you doing? Yeah, you know what, we should back up. Let's yeah. talk about Latinos Run because we're, we're touching on it and kind of implying that you're leading this cool movement, but let's actually talk about what the movement is and how you started it. Right. So Latinos Run is just a national organization, and our goal is really to, you know, utilize running as a way to help people with mental and physical, um, you know, issues that they have. So I started Latinos Run 2016. When I first started running, the first thing I did was try to find groups of Latinos. I would go to these races and I'd go, hey, do you know anybody who has a Latino organization? And everybody would say no. And um, I went online, typed in Latinos Run, and I was like, you know, I typed in Latin runners, everything, couldn't find anything. And I said, you know what? The website's available on GoDaddy. I just purchased it. And I was like, why isn't there a group for us? I couldn't understand. There were so many groups in the park, but I couldn't find one that, you know, focused on the Latino community. So I would just ask people all the time, do you want to start a group with me? And that was like a couple years that I was doing that. And people would say, Latinos are fat, Latinos don't work out they would just make sometimes the most unbelievable comments to me and I used to say it's not true we do work out we not everybody you know has health issues there are people who love to you know run no matter what size they are it doesn't matter and um, eventually I just one day I just sat on my bed and I just said that's it I'm just gonna start it called the trainer and I said hey do you want to start the group with me he said, sure a couple weeks later we you know started the group like within four weeks the group had started so okay I have to dig into this, what you were hearing from people, the preconceptions. 
And I mean, it's especially relevant right now because we are dealing with trying to tackle once and for all racial inequality in our country. And people were saying to you, Latinos are fat and lazy. Like who was saying that? Latinos or or white people? Everyone. Everybody, even Latinos were saying it to me. And um, I was just shocked, you know, I was like, this is not true. I, I've been going to, race. I had already been, you know, doing races for a little bit. I grew up as a runner as a kid. So I was like, this is not true. I know this is not true. So um, I just felt like there weren't enough outlets for people out there. You know, I, I started to read up more about it and it said that we only represented 5% of those who participate in the actual physical races. But yet everybody owns a pair of running shoes. I've been running since I was a baby. So, and I know everybody else pretty much runs or walks at some point. So why is it when it comes to physically paying for a race, why do our numbers are, why are they so drastically low? Why is it 90% white and, you know, 5% Latinos, 3% African-Americans? You know, why is that? I couldn't understand. So I finally just said, you know, I have to start something. I know we're out there. I'm out there. And I see others that look like me that are out there. So, and that's how we got started. That's, I mean, we all, the, the best movements, the best organizations, the best products come when we're seeking something that does not exist, that we think will inspire us. They grow when they inspire more people than just us, right? Yeah. Because if you were the only one and your trainer, you wouldn't have much to go on right now. But there is a need for what you're doing. Yeah, I used to go to the races too. And I I just, you know, kept looking around thinking, God, I want to be a part of some group. Like, where do I go? I did join Nike. And every time I'd go to the runs with them, I was left behind. And I wasn't that slow. I was running about a nine and a half minute pace. And I would constantly be left behind. And I just kept saying, I need a group that allows people who are not seven minute pacers, you know, or eight minutes. I need a group that can actually stay behind with me. And that's not going to leave me when I go for a run because I didn't know New York City, you know, to do these long runs. I would be out there for 10 miles, 15 miles. And I didn't know where I was. So I just said, you know, I couldn't do it anymore. I loved going to the practices, but not if I'm being left behind and I'm like trying to find my way back to the starting point. So, um, yeah, that's why that's the reason why I started it. But it's not even just the in-person, even online, because there's a lot of, you know, people of color, Latinos in communities in the middle of nowhere who do not have a large group of Latinos in their neighborhood who they could run with. But this is a way for them to connect with people who may live in another state. Maybe they want to go do a marathon in New York City and they live in, you know, somewhere in Colorado and they, you know, want to connect with people that that look like them and have the same culture like them. So having that online platform, we've built like a family, you know, an online family. So, you know, can we talk about culture for a minute? Um, I might bop around a little bit on this interview because there's a lot of cool topics and you there's the, you have a lot of depth that I think will be important to flush out. Um, so in on your social media, you describe yourself as Afro-Latina. So and then but maybe are you uh, feeling more connected to your Latino upbringing? Like, can you tell me a little bit more about your background and your culture growing up? So my dad was born in Belize. So my dad is, Belize is the only English speaking country in Central America. Um, But my mother is Puerto Rican. So growing up, I spent most of our times, we grew up with my dad's side of the family, which is Belizean and has Mexican um, roots as well. 
And, um, you know, I would spend some time summer in Puerto Rico with my Puerto Rican side of the family. So two cultures, you know, mixed. And my dad always said to us, you're, you're black, you know, no matter what, you're African, that's your roots. But culturally also, we are Latinos. Latinos come in all different colors. We are indigenous, like my Mayan roots from Mexico. We are African, like my ancestors who came from Africa. We are, you know, Spanish from Spain, and there's white, and there's Asian. So we are very mixed, obviously. But I, you know, for me, I'm, I'm black, obviously. But my culture is Latino. That's usually what I celebrate because that's what I grew up with. So. so did your parents, were they not living together when you were growing up? Because you said you yes. spent some time with your dad and some time with your mom? My parents divorced when I was, I would say, about fourth, fifth grade. But we lived very, my parents lived very close to each other. So we would go wherever. Uh, my dad traveled a lot for his job. So we went, we pretty much were willing, able to do whatever we wanted to do. We never got in trouble. We were good kids. And, you know, one day mom's, next day dad's. My grandparents lived right next to us, a couple feet away from my dad's. My aunt lived underneath us, um, in the condo underneath us. So we had our culture very close to us, and we eat food from both cultures all the time. So, you know, we loved it. I, we, we truly love it. Even to this day, we love our culture. We love the mixture of our culture. So It just feels very colorful, like... Yeah. expansive you know I mean many of us grow up in one place and that's all we really know and we're surrounded by people that visually that's who we see yeah. and what you see is the outward appearance of people right yeah. and yeah. your life growing up just it does sound fun I mean at least the way you're describing it and it sounds you mentioned earlier you have a sister I have a twin sorry <laughs> um, I have a twin sister I'm a twin um, and I have an older sister and I have a younger brother as well. So, you know, I grew up with my twin all the time next to me, obviously doing a lot of sports together. She's the one who got me into running, um, got me one day called and said, let's go do a race together. And that's what kicked it off. Um, but yeah, I was always around my siblings. We did a lot of stuff with our parents. They love to go hiking and my parents have a farm. So we're always outdoors people. And, um, you know, my dad was a runner, got us into running as kids. So well, and it, it's cool. I'm going to suggest that everybody, yeah. I'm going to suggest that everybody watch your TEDx talk. Okay. Oh, so we're going to link to that and I'm going to talk about it more in a minute. But um, yeah. earlier in your life, when you got into running, when you were a kid, it didn't quite go the way you thought it might. Right. right. Maybe you can share a little bit of that like Genesis story because it, it, it's almost like you had a rebirth as a runner later in life. I did. When I was a kid, I actually wanted to be a runner. I literally would say that. My dad would take us to the park. We did. We always do walking in our family. And I was very fast as a little kid. I only made sports teams like soccer teams because I was the fastest runner. I don't know what happened between then and now because I am definitely not the fastest. I am like in the back of the pack. But as a kid, I was extremely fast. And that was my thing. They would always put me in a spot where it's the fastest runner. And, you know, I used to say, you know what, maybe I want to be a runner when I get older. So I got into high school. I decided instead of doing fast track, I would do long distance running, did the first race, gun went off, and immediately I caught a cramp. And I remember going, oh, my God. You know, as an adult, I know now what happens, you know, when I catch a cramp. 
as a, as a teenager, I didn't know what to do. And I just was dying. And then I could hear my dad in the stands going, don't come in last place. I could hear him laughing. And I'm thinking, I better not come in last place at the race. <laughs> and I made it literally a couple feet in front of last place. Like the girl behind me crossed the finish line a couple feet. And I just remember thinking, I will never do this again. I, it just wasn't for me. And, and that was, I was four to 15 years old and I didn't get into running until I was about thir in my thirties when my sister just called me one day and she said, you know, they've got this color run. And I said, oh, I always wanted to be a runner. And sure enough, we went to it. Um, I walked the entire thing and I had such a great time with her. I said, how can I do more of this? Called my friend. He goes, oh, I do these 100 mile ultra marathons. And I'm thinking, I'm just trying to do a 5K. <laughs> You're talking about, you know, three days out in the middle of nowhere or two days. And he said, well, you know, if you do nine plus one in New York City, you join the marathon. And I couldn't believe that normal people like everybody can just do the marathon. I thought it was an elite thing, even though I lived by the marathon finish line and I would see them every year. I would go to see them, but I would go right when they first cross the finish line. So you only see the elite people crossing or the fast, you know, runners. Um, I just didn't know it was open to everybody and that 50,000 people are running a race. Um, so immediately I jumped in and I signed up for my braces and that was it. I immediately was like, I need to find a team. I got to find people. I got to, I got to get into this. And I was hooked, completely hooked. So. Wow. Okay. Couple things. Well, first, what do you do when you get a cramp? <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm not, for me personally, this is what my friends always teach me, is to raise your hand. But to be honest, I never really catch a cramp anymore. I used to drink a lot of water prior to the races because I thought if you drank a lot of water, you would be completely, you know, you wouldn't get dehydrated. And I would just chug like bottles and bottles before. And I did one of my first races and I almost threw up the water was just jumping up and down on my stomach. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to drink water like a maniac. I didn't know. I just thought you had to drink like gallon, a gallon of water before a race. So that immediately stopped. And then my body, I like never catch a cramp, like never catch a cramp. I don't have an issue with that anymore. Um, everybody's body is obviously different. For me, I just starve at the end of, like, at the end of a race. So I eat like a massive meal prior because I just start starving at like mile 10. I'm done, you know. Um, but other than that, like I don't have an issue with cramps. Um, no, I usually don't. It's usually my legs that are giving out on me. That's the issue that I yeah, have. Yeah, leg cramps. Oh, my gosh. Whole nother. That's yeah, a whole nother beast. Yeah, um, but, um, yeah, so it sounds like you found, I don't know, your thing, your tribe, your calling. Yeah. I mean, you went from 5k to like the full bug. You were like, I'm doing a marathon and I'm so excited. But yeah. in between, there's like 15 years of running's not going to be my thing. And then around 30, you're like, I just rediscovered the thing. Yeah. So what happened in between? I mean, were you in a place where you were just kind of bebopping through life or were you going through various issues? No, I mean, when I hit my 20s, I mainly went to college. So I went and tried to study television broadcasting. I thought I was going to be like, I used to call myself, I was going to be the black Connie Chung is what I used to say as a kid. I was like, there needs to be the, you know, woman, more black people on TV. And I thought for sure I was going to do that. And that's what I went to school for. I went to college and then I somehow found myself in fashion 
traveling the world, studying in Spain, studying in Germany, and just being a normal 20 year old, just trying to have fun and enjoy life. And it wasn't until I got into my, you know, 30s, mid, you know, 30s is when I rediscovered running. And um, I think it was 2012 or 13 is when I found running. And that's when I was like, I love this. I mean, I used to go to, you know, the gym, CrossFit and all that stuff. Didn't excite me the same. There was no medal at the end of it. You know, I was paying a high price to work out and got nothing in return, but a good shape. But, you know, some of us were not driven by just, you know, how the body looks. Sometimes we're driven by if we get an award, if we get a medal, you know, diff different things drive different people. So I used to carry my medals. I used to put them in a box and people used to have their walls filled with them. And I used to say, oh, my God, I have them now because I got into a lot of crap. People go, where's your medals? I go, they're just in a box. I just wanted to do the races. I didn't like the medals were the biggest thing for me. But then when I when you start collecting them over time, you start saying, "Wow, these are great! You're doing races that nobody, you know, one percent of the world may do or something." You know, how many people have run a marathon, or how many people may have run an ultra marathon? So yeah, you're finding yourself in new challenges in life and different exciting things. And you know, for me, doing races led me even to travel around the country. Last year, I went in a car and just drove wherever I wanted to go for a couple months and went to like 40 something different states and ran in every one of them and explored this amazing country just because of running. So it kind of, I don't know, one little thing could lead you in such an awesome direction sometimes. Was that um, part of the Project Run 50? It was, yeah. So um, I really wanted to start it about a year and a half ago, 2018. And I went in like winter almost and going to North Dakota in November, um, even October is, is scary. There's nobody out there. And when I say nobody, I mean, there's literally nobody out there. I found myself in roads driving maybe an hour and seeing five cars and just panicking. And um, it got dark at three o'clock in the, in the evening. And I was just like, um, I just can't, I couldn't do it. I went to maybe about 20 states or something. And I turned back around and said, I'm going home. And I'm gonna do this at a better time of the year when I can explore more. I can go to Glacier National Park and take some awesome trails and not be alone on a trail and put myself in danger, you know, because you don't know who's out there, especially if the trail is empty. So I thought it's probably better to do it when there's more people on the trail instead of just going by myself. So, yeah. And so that was also part of like a research project for you, right? Yeah. To really learn more about the communities and what drives people to run and the diversity that was out on the streets. Yeah, I just wanted to see what's happening in cities across this country. And when you get in a car, you go to places like North Dakota or Montana, there, there isn't as much diversity. I, Glacier National Park, I did not see anybody that looked like me at all. Um, and I did want to see what's out there. You know, if I do a race, is there going to be people of color? I did a race like in Virginia. I looked around and I saw one other black person. He was a newsman. So he was like, you know, filming people. So I was like, man, it started to open my eyes more the more I went through the country. Not only was I learning the history of our own country, and understanding how cultures moved around and where they went and you know just the historical aspect of where we are, where we live but i was also understanding why sometimes our community like like my community latinos why we're not present at these races you know why even though i go to virginia we know virginia has latinos 
why weren't they at the race? You know, why didn't I see anybody of color at some of these races or go to South Carolina? Why didn't I see any other Latinos at the race that I went to? Um, so it kind of was like an eye opener for me. You well, know, and what did, what did you find? Like why, when you talk to people, why? Um, well, you know, I've done panels before and for me, I kind of feel like a lot of the race directors aren't targeting certain communities. They're not targeting an African American or an Asian or Latino or indigenous communities. Maybe they don't know how, or maybe it's too complicated that they don't feel comfortable going in that direction. Um, and maybe they just don't want to. I don't know what all the reasons are. I'm sure there's many, but um, I feel like they're also missing out as well because we all run. The most popular activity like in the world is walking and running. We all own running shoes since we were kids. So why is it that we all run, but when it comes to actually paying for the physical race, why do the numbers change so drastically and why aren't we present? Why aren't communities of color present at races? So uh, I think most of the times it's just maybe companies don't know how to target those communities and maybe they just need some guidance on how they can reach to those communities because that makes them more money at the end of the day. We spend money. Latinos in general, we come with the whole family. We've got mom, dad, <laughs> sister, aunts, our whole neighborhood is coming with us. You know, we want everybody to enjoy the experience that we're enjoying, you know? Um, and I don't think a lot of race organizations truly understand that, you know, but I think, yeah. Maybe we should talk a little bit about visibility. I mean, it's a really powerful thing until you see someone that looks like you, whatever that is, your size, your skin color, your gender, you know, whatever, doing a thing, you might think you can't do it. But when you actually see someone that you can relate to doing it, it, it opens up new worlds. So I don't know, maybe you could talk a little bit about visibility and what you're doing and what your organization is doing to yeah. increase accessibility. So, you know, for instance, like I said, when I first started running, I would go to the marathons. I did not see anybody look like me. Um, so that's why I personally did not know that I could do that because I didn't know until somebody who was, you know, a Latino said to me, we can do this and it's very easy to do. So like you said, visibility is more important. When you go to a magazine, you, you open up any of these trail running or running magazines, you don't see communities of color. So we need to probably, I mean, it is a responsibility of these outlets, these organizations, these companies to start being more inclusive and to start showing that it's not a white man running all the trails in America, but there's women, there's Asians, there's, you know, Africans, Latinos, everything. We all are out there, you know, and also, like you said, visibility is so important because when I see somebody in that magazine or if I see somebody who's doing that trail in a video or whatever the case may be, first thing that pops in my head is how can I do that? You know, I want to get more active in that. So it's really the main reason why I started Latinos Run and why even last year we fully launched Latinas Run, which is an all women's organization, because we wanted to let these people know that we're, we're here, we're not going anywhere. Um, we wanna engage in these, these sports, these activities. And you know, we also want more representation. So that's why we get so involved in it. That's why we're growing as a community. And I've seen really honestly in the last couple of years, how big these communities are starting to grow in New York City. LA has a massive running community that has just popped up out of nowhere. And they are just taking over like California. They're just doing amazing. So, you know, I'm trying to do my part however I can to, you know, get out there. 
Well, and at the end of the day, I mean, there's a lot of things we can be doing with our leisure time or using as coping mechanisms for the not so great things in our lives. And running is one of the, and working out in general, fitness in general is one of the most positive things we can be doing. Right. So I, hey, I think we need to open the floodgates here. Yeah, we do. We absolutely do. Can I, um, I'm going to quote something. I'm going to quote the last sentence of your, uh, your TED talk. And then we're going to talk about it. It's so awesome. Um, Here's what you said. In order to create change, we cannot hope for it. We cannot expect it. We have to work together to create it. Absolutely. I love that message. So this is, you are doing your part. You're the leader. You're hopefully the catalyst to a much bigger movement. Um, But how do we work together to create this change we're talking about? And in your world right now, it's about fitness and health. There is a greater change that, you know, we're also working on right now that has to do with racial equality. But and you lie like smack dab in the middle of all of it, actually. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, first of all, healthcare is the number one issue in America, right? Every time you turn on the TV and there's something on the news, they're talking in Congress or, you know, whatever, they're trying to pass bills for healthcare. Um, also, immigration is very important for us. A lot of our Latinos come from immigrant families or immigrants themselves. Um, but, you know, in order for people to create change, there's a lot of things that we have to do. Companies spending dollars in communities of color. Latina women, Latina millennial women outspend any other woman. Okay, they outspend whites, they outspend blacks, they outspend Asians. But why, when you see an advertisement in most magazines or on TV, do you see a Latina woman on it? No, you usually wouldn't, right? But why? But she's spending more money than anybody. So if she's spending more money than any other millennial, why wouldn't you put more of her on an advertisement since you know that's driving your dollars? Um, so that's one thing companies can do is start, you know, advertise, advertising to those communities of color. And there's also some other things around it, like for our community, Latino community, sometimes we don't have access to a healthy, um, clean park, a safe park. That's a problem. You know, I live in Manhattan and you can go from one side of the Manhattan to a couple blocks away and you'll see parks that look night and day where, you know, an upscale one a few a mile away could be cleaned every single day. There's no trash. You know, they put dollars to make it look nice and pretty where you feel comfortable running. And then a couple blocks after that, you don't even want to be in that area. You don't feel safe. So when people have to think in their mind that, oh, I have to travel this far to get to a safe park, that makes people, you know, discourages people. It makes people think, I don't really want to work out today. Why can't you just walk out of your house? Why, why is it that we can't walk out of our house and have a safe park to work out in? You know, because we all know that we love going out. Many of us love going out and just going for a stroll or going for a walk. Doesn't matter who you are, what color you are. So that's an issue that we have. And also access to healthcare. Um, the Latino community a lot of times don't have the best access you know, to really good health care. And when people are healthy, they want to be healthier. They want to do healthy things. But when you're, in an, when you're in a situation where you're, you know, you don't have healthy food, you don't have good health options, you know, your, your health is just deteriorating, you don't want to go run a marathon. You don't want to go work out, you know, so it kind of discourages you. But there's just a lot of things from our government to our cities to companies where they should put more dollars behind communities of color. 
you know, and it's not that difficult. I, I've said this before many times, like I live in Manhattan, but the Bronx, out of New York State, the Bronx is considered last year the most unhealthiest county in all of New York. But a couple blocks away from the Bronx, the most unhealthiest county in New York is upper part of Manhattan, which is one of the healthiest. So why is it that they are so close to each other and one is one of the most healthiest and the Bronx is the most unhealthiest? You know, that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't make sense to me. And a lot of times that has to do with, you know, the color of our skin. You know, when they see, you know, blacks and browns, they don't put as much money into those communities and they just continue to keep them unhealthy and live in poverty and, you know. So. Okay, so we, how do you get the attention of companies to make these changes. I mean, this is the really hard thing because a lot of people working at different businesses that would potentially be turning their dollars to invest in other, you know, right. neighborhoods or cultures that they haven't previously invested in right. are run by maybe white men and nothing against many white men are amazing white men and they want the the best thing for the world too. It's not about that. It's just it's hard to imagine that companies might make the change if they don't actually hire the people right. they're trying to that's, make the change to. Yeah, that's the problem. You, if you don't have a diverse company, how can you expect diversity, like the dollars to go into more diverse communities? You have to have a staff of people who are diverse. You just have to, because you, you can't expect to know everything. Sometimes it takes somebody from a diverse community to understand what's going on in this particular community. I don't know everything in, in an indigenous community or an Asian community. I wouldn't know anything. I would want to be around somebody from that community so they can tell me, this is what you can do with some of your dollars. This is how you can spend it. These are the issues that we are facing within our particular community. So you have to have a diverse company in order to, you know, be able to spend and put some money into diverse communities or have an understanding of where to put that money. So it's so true or else it just seems very hypocritical. Right. You know, but you look at our government is a perfect example. Absolutely. Absolutely. But look what happened with COVID, right? Um, I think, I mean, out of all the bad things that happened, I think the only good thing that we can take from this is that we're forcing people, people have time now to go protest. They have more time than they ever had before because people have been protesting for a long time. But now that people really have a lot more time on their hands, I think people are at that stage where they're at that turning point to say, you know, we've had enough of it because now this, this issue that we're dealing with this pandemic is not just affecting, you know, blacks and browns. It's affecting poor people and people who may have had money before and doesn't have it now. And they're saying, what's going on? We don't want to live like this, you know? So now people are out there, they're at the forefront and you're seeing companies who unfortunately they're being forced to make changes. And sometimes you kind of have to push them to that point to say, listen, we're done spending money in your company if you're not going to change the way you're putting your dollars, you know, into these communities. So protesting is one of them. Being out there, tweeting online all day and telling these companies, you know, you have to start allowing more people of color. You have to start putting your, your dollars into different communities. So I, I think in some weird, strange way, as crazy as 220, uh, 2020 has been, this may be one of the only like good things that may have come out of um, this is that change is starting to finally happen in ways that we've probably never seen it before. So. You, I saw on your social that you were actively uh, doing the protesting. You know, you were, 
you were actually turning protests into like fitness challenges too. <laughs> no, you weren't you doing a run from like protests? That's really cool. Um, what was your experience at the protests? Um, I've been to protests before, um, so it wasn't as much difference. The only difference, like I said, is there's obviously more people are out there. Younger people are out there. The ones I've been to before, there's always been young people who've really created these big movements, um, but now I see it even younger. You know, it's like all these 20 year olds are like, you're not going to do this to my friends. You're not going to do this to, you know, the people that we associate with. And they were so out there, strong, didn't, you know, they're not letting down. You still see protests. How many weeks has it been? And um, I love it and I will continue to go to it. And we did even our virtual run. We wanted people to, if they didn't want to go run out somewhere, go take the bibs and walk. And, you know, like I did, I walked the protest with my run for justice. We had, you know, about 6,000 people across the country signed up in a couple days. And I mean, you can look at the hashtag run for justice and see the color of people that did that, um, uh, you know, that run with us. You know, we use our feet as our voice, I guess you can say. So hopefully we're doing a little part. I mean, we, you know, we try to do what we can to try to make a difference. And if it's, you know, educating people on what's going on in the communities by having a virtual run, then we'll do that, you know? Oh, I think it's awesome. Um, you know, a lot of people listening have children of all ages. I mean, I have an eight-year-old daughter and I do spend a lot of time thinking about who I want to be, who I am, how I want to present myself in this world. Yeah. And I don't know, what does your family unit look like? We are so mixed. We are so mixed. I have two, I have two grandmothers that are pretty fair skin. Uh, my grandmother, my dad's mom is white. Uh, my grandparents, my grandfathers are mixed, um, but dark skin, black. Um, Everybody in my family is just one mixed generation after the next mixed generation, as far back as I know. And I have cousins, blonde hair, blue eyes, to very dark skin and different hair textures. And it's beautiful. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. Um, it, it opens my eyes to culture, to difference. Um, my twin sister, I grew up with my twin sister, who's very light skinned. My older sisters, they both have hair, you know, down to their butt, curly, beautiful, luscious hair. And growing up as, as myself, I played sports. I was much darker than you see me now. Um, very dark with my hair sticking up everywhere. And I always felt treated very differently than my twin sister or my older sister. So I felt like, you know, I kind of felt racism growing up just by being next to my sisters and having people go to my sister and go, aren't you pretty? And then completely, constantly just like, look me the other way. Um, but you know, I, I just love the mixture of my family. I love the history. I love learning about such a mix of culture. And I think it makes me more open to different cultures, different people. And I'm like obsessed with it. So, you know, you're, you are so positive. You seem very grounded, almost like, like there is something even way bigger on the horizon for you. I just, I just know you're going somewhere even bigger. And, you know, you just mentioned something that was hard to hear for a minute, like that you didn't always feel, I don't know, you felt second best maybe sometimes with your sister and that maybe it had to do with how you looked or your skin color. And that is heartbreaking to me that a little girl might go through that. So I don't know if you're comfortable oh, talking yes. about it. Yes. 
I grew up in South Florida, um, Fort Lauderdale. We even played on a sports team where my father removed us from the sports team because of the color of our skin. We were um, not, we were very good at sports as a kid. We played all the time. Um, when he put us on one team, we were the only kids of color and they wouldn't play us. And my father would come every week and he'd say, why aren't you playing my daughters? And when we would leave, my dad say, he's not playing you because you're black. And he kept reminding us and finally my father had enough of it. He went to him and said, you're not playing my daughters. They're great players. Um, I always played. I was always one of the top players of any team that I was on as a kid. And I, he just couldn't understand. And he removed us immediately from that team. And as a kid, he used to always explain to us because his mother is white and his father is black. So my father always instilled in us, you know, sometimes we're gonna have to face difficult situations. And, you know, even for him, I had a phone call today and somebody said, do I know anybody who's felt racism while running? I said, my father, my father has ran for so many years, for decades now. And when I started my club, I forgot my dad was a runner because I've never seen him run outside. I've seen him every morning at 6 a.m. run on a treadmill four to six miles a day for decades. And I said, how come you've never run outside before? And he said, well, I used to, but they would throw cans at me and they would say, you know, bad words to him to get off the road, like N words, you know, get off the road. And he said he was, you know, yelled at and thrown, things were thrown at him so many times. He never to this day has run outside. So I was just shocked, completely shocked. I didn't know that my father had felt um, racism while running um, because I had never felt it in the running community to that extent where I felt uncomfortable being in a street. So, you know, these are just, I guess, you know, things that hopefully will change where people can go out and not have to be stopped while running while black or, you know, of color. But there are many people in my group have told me that they've faced something while running in a street or running at a race where somebody's come up to them and said, don't speak Spanish, even though they're American as can be, you know, and they just wanted to talk to their friends in their language. Um, many of them have felt something. So it's, it's disheartening to hear, it's sad to hear, and it's sadly the environment that we live in. But um, hopefully this is starting to open the door. What's going on right now is opening the door for change. And um, like you said, that starts also with companies. That starts with inclusion within those companies starting to have, you know, show more representation of what our country actually looks like. So. You're right. And, you know, I think, too, if you, we go back to the idea that running can be sort of a great equalizer, you know, if you can transcend some of the other things we're talking about, knowing that the person you're talking to has a shared love of health and fitness, right. you know, I like to think that runners and, and other athletes in whatever sport you're in are, are more open-minded in a way because you're all there for a different reason than the color right. of your skin. So like oftentimes right. people will say, oh, runners went to this marathon or a race or a 5K and everyone was so nice. Right. Um, but do you find that that's not necessarily always the case or does it seem like running is a great yeah. stepping stone towards that? I find it a great stepping stone. I love the running community. Um, I, especially nowadays, I've seen a transition over the last like couple of years, especially in New York City, like I said, in LA, where it's becoming more diverse. 
And I think that's opening a door for people to start understanding other people and the cultures that they come from. And I'm so lucky that I live in such an amazing city that is like, you know, an epicenter of diversity. Even you do the New York City Marathon, the first thing they do the day before is they host a 5K at the United Nations. And, and they host also the Friday night before, they host a parade, Parade of Nations, where they want people to show their colors, their culture. I don't see races that, like, especially marathons that do that. And I think here, particularly New York, New York um, Roadrunners, they, like, embrace that. They embrace the diversity. They, they embrace the cultures and the communities that come from all around the world to participate in their race. Um, but sometimes when you're in another race, you don't quite feel the same. I run in Indiana and I had people come up to me going, where are you from? Like, what are you doing here? And it's like, oh, I'm just coming here to do a race. Same thing, you know, same reason that you're here. Um, I don't, I don't get it as bad as some other people. I feel like sometimes when I go to a race and I'm the only person of color, I, I almost always have older white men come up to me and ask me a million questions and want to know, what are you? I'm like, I'm just a black person running a race. But it happens almost everywhere I go, um, especially in a, in a race that doesn't have diverse people. Um, I always get people coming up to me. When I was in Indiana, they were like lined up coming up to me. Like the one would leave and the next one would come up and go, where are you from? And then there's the next one. I'm like, I know there's more people of color over here. But um, I'm, for me, I'm open to conversations about it and, you know, people ask what Latinos run is and I explain to them and I'm glad that they ask the question of who we are, what we do, and they don't ask in a negative way. They just ask, you know, for more information, like what, you know, what is that group? Because I think they're just not used to seeing that in their community. So, yeah. I think it's very funny that you are a magnet for the older white male. <laughs> I swear to God, I am. I swear, no matter where I go, I swear to God, even in the supermarket in Oregon, they're like following, going, you know, like, what is, they're not following in a negative way. They just want to ask questions. Like, it's just, they just want to know, what are you? Like, it's just, you know, I, sometimes I find it funny. I don't get offended by it. So, yeah. you know, I, I think we all put off a different kind of energy and vibe. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're a very open personality. I mean, people see you and they see and feel your energy and they're like, hmm, she's open. I got to learn more about her and maybe ask her out for coffee afterwards. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'm like, no, no thanks. Um, no, you know, um, I think sometimes, especially when you go into a community, like I, I was telling somebody, I went to Oregon and um, I went to a supermarket and this is not Portland. Portland obviously is a little more mixed. This is like when you cross the border into it. And I remember saying, I hope I find some more people of color, you know, and I was in a supermarket and two older gentlemen were following me. One must have been in his 80s. And I swear, 10 minutes, if not more, was passing by. They would just follow me down the aisles. And, uh, and finally, one just came up to me and goes, man, you're dark. And I'm <sighs> like, but he wasn't saying it in a rude way, but he, I don't think he understood that it could come off very rude. But he goes, my God, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm running. He goes, but I'm outside all the time and look at me. He goes, you're so dark. And then he started to say, it was nice. Like he was trying to compliment me after, but I was like, that's not the way you would go up to somebody, you know, with a dark skin. But he just kept going on and on. And I said, okay, I started to explain to him why I'm darker. It's the middle of summer. I'm running. Um, this is my color. This is not paint on me. Because he thought it wasn't real. He thought it was like a, 
you know, a, a cream or something. You go, no, this is my color. But, you know, sometimes you meet some strange people along the way, especially when you're going to every state, you know. Um, but I didn't take offense to it. I thought it was a little bit shocking at first, but, you know, he was just trying to be nice after, so. Well, you know, I think I give you a lot of credit for that. That is the craziest story. Um, but I do think there's also a generational thing where people who are older, if this guy was in his 80s, I mean, you know, they there's it's the language, you know, what he meant probably wasn't to be derogatory or insulting, but he was trying to be personal and strike up a positive conversation. So that's a tough thing too. I think the generational issues, especially with anything race related or, um, uh, gender related, you know, there's just a lot of things. Not if it wasn't, if I wasn't like as open, had I been anyone else, I probably would have been like, don't say that. Like, how could you say, how could you run up to somebody and just go on and on about how dark they are? It's I bizarre. was heart shocked. And then he was putting his arm next to mine to compare our colors. And I was like, oh my God. But then after a while, he was just trying to, I think he was just trying to understand because they just didn't have dark people in his area, I'm assuming. I like was in the middle of nowhere. But, um, you know, also, like you said, it's a generational thing for some of them. They just don't know how younger generations wouldn't do that, wouldn't speak like that. Yep. So, um, yeah, but, you know, it is what it is. I meet some strange characters along the way. So. Okay, here's a question. You know how with your emojis you can pick a skin color? Yeah. So, like, a year ago, I picked, like, a color not white, like a little darker. Cause I okay. get really tan. Right. And so my friends would always go like, you're not that tan. You know, they kind of make fun when I do like the thumbs up emoji and it was sort of tan. But now with what's going on, I just, I feel paranoid. Like I don't want to try to be misrepresenting myself. Right. So should I be the whitest thumb or should I go to the neutral yellow? Like what on earth do we do here? I don't even know. I sometimes, when I put the post online, I may put a couple colors. I may do a neutral, like if it's on our group pages. Um, if it's mine in particular, I put my dark color because I am dark. Uh, and I do change sometimes, depending if it's summertime and I know I'm feeling really dark, you know. It's just who I am, you know. But um, if it's a general post, sometimes I do neutral or I do multiple because I know that our community is, you know, multicultural. So, um, you know, and I don't want to offend anybody by putting a white thumb and most of the people in our group do not have white thumbs. So, you know, it's a touchy subject nowadays. You know, um, we're getting into that new space where things are starting to really change fast. You know, what's going on every time you turn on the news, a company is, you know, changing their rules and how allowing people to wear, you know, I can't breathe or Black Lives Matter shirts to work like Starbucks. So I think we're all in a learning space right now. You know, we're sometimes we feel like we need to get aggressive and let our voice be heard. And sometimes we go, wait, maybe that was a little too much. Maybe they're not ready for that just yet. But um, I don't know. I think for all of us, it's, you know, it's, we're learning this together. This is very new for all of us, you know, movement that's happening now. I don't think we've ever had it to this extent. So I just hope that a lot of change comes from it. And in any community, and for me in particular in the running community, I hope a lot of change comes from it. So it will, it has to, it already has, it's going to keep coming from it because of people like you. Um, you know, I was just had a thought, maybe we could do a little fun, little play on the decades of your life. 
I've been thinking from the stories you've shared with me, like maybe some important times in your life. So I'm going to hit on, on a few different time frames. So let's talk about 14 to 15 year old Maria yeah. who ran the rate, wanted to be a runner, ran the race, didn't go the way you wanted. Yeah. What was important to you then in your life? Um, you know, really just getting through school. I was very active in sports. Um, I've spoke many times about this. My mom was also in prison at the same time um, during those years of my life. So, um, you know, I was really finding, trying to find a space and do something fun. Um, my father was traveling a lot. So my sisters and I spent a lot of time alone. So we were at school pretty much morning till night. So it was, you know, getting involved in different organizations within our school and you're a teenager. So you're really connected to your school more than you are anything else. Um, and I went to a private school that was very focused on sports. It's, a, it's like one of the top uh, sports high schools like in the country and they're driven on athletics. So that's what I was involved in. I was doing track team and I was also dancing and, you know, just trying to get involved in my school any way I could. So that was really my only focus at that age, you know? So it was really about community. And I mean, did you have, were you, you weren't a girl who was like out partying and stuff, you know, it no. sounds like. No, I volunteered a lot. My mother had us volunteering from a young age. So even in high school, we were doing um, Jack and Jill Club and, you know, collecting food and those type of things. I started volunteering at a very young age. So that's pretty much was my drive. And um, yeah, you know, when you're a teenager, you don't really think too much. But like I said, but school, you know, you just want to enjoy it as much as you can and get involved if you can. My twin and I pretty much lined our days up with every club we could possibly get into. So I was in senior leadership and drama and dance team, head of captain of dance team. I coached um, a cheerleading squad, um, you know, just different activities. Anything I can get my hands on that kept me busy was fun. So, Did you feel um, a lack of maternal guidance during that time? Like, were you able to communicate with your mom, you know, while she wasn't around? Okay. Yeah, my mother was um, transferred to a location in South Florida. So every weekend, my senior year and junior year, we would drive up to her. Um, we spent every Saturday driving up to her. And she was at a location that she, we could sit and go, you know, just spend time like together. Um, it was kind of like a work uh, police, uh, not police, actually, a work prison um, situation that she was in. I'm not sure the term for it. Like a but, work release. Is that what you said? But not really. Yeah, she was able to work um, outside of it and it had to return. Um, but we were able to spend every weekend with her. So it wasn't like, you know, like going to actual federal prison. She was in a, she was trans transferred to a better location. So that was my weekend in high school. I also had a job, you know, had to get money. My dad was not just given handouts for free. So my dad said, you want more than your weekly allowance. You have to get a job. So my sister and I, we all had jobs with them all together. And um, yeah, and I took up in high school, I took up a videography. I thought I was going to be a broadcaster. So that was like my addictions. And I guess you can say in high school, things that I love doing. So, yeah, yeah. But, Great okay, time. so I can see that that girl, you know, kind of forming and shaping. And so let's go back to when you got, you did your five, the color run. Your right. sister invited you, right? Yeah. Your twin? 
my twin sister. Okay. My birthday, I was in town in Florida and she just said, why don't you come and do this run with me? And we both signed up. We got our niece to come with us. We did the whole matching outfit, the tutu that everybody, you know, does. And we did that and we had such an amazing time. And that's really what started the whole running for me. One race. So, and yeah. so like, think about that weekend of your life, you know, it was a very, um, probably very important time for you because it seems to have shifted things. So if you could go, okay, where was I the week before that? Like what was important to you at that time in your life when this big change was happening? Well, I mean, I lived in, in New York City at the time. So I went home to um, spend my birthday with my twin sister. So traveled a lot. I had just moved, you know, a few years before to New York City. So I was still kind of learning in New York City. Um, and I, for me, it was just, I was involved in a lot of charities also at that time. I was doing um, Big Brother, Big Sister African Affinity Group. I started joining African groups because I felt like I grew up as a Latina. Um, I grew up in a, in a private school where there weren't a lot of people of color. So my focus as a kid was always, I'm a Latina first. I never like didn't have too many black friends. So when I, you know, got in my late twenties, early thirties in New York city, I realized I thought I was missing something in my life. And that was an understanding of my black culture. So I started joining these groups and that's what I was doing at that time. I started volunteering every weekend. Um, I would spend either Saturday and Sunday together. I would do whatever I could, whether it's reading to kids at, um, you know, different communities of color or feeding the homeless or kids with handicap issues. I, that's what I did every week. And then I joined different African affinity groups like United Nations, um, uh, African American Affair, Affairs, um, stuff like that. I just wanted to understand African culture a little bit more. Joined a snowboarding group for African Americans. I wanted to learn like new sports and learn my culture and be around people who I wasn't around as a kid. I didn't have friends in middle school, elementary school that were, you know, black. There was like five of us. So, um, yeah, I, that age of my life, that's what I was doing. I was trying to understand my culture more and also how do I get more involved in my community? So, and were you working as a TV journalist? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Um, I did go to college for TV journalism, but I did not like writing. I did not like writing news stories whatsoever. You can get me to speak on camera, but I'm not, you know. So what I was doing is I was working in fashion. I started working for a company that transitioned my entire life and got me like focused on fashion. And I went to college for it and I was in New York City trying to live the fashion dream, what a lot of people go to New York for, you know? And um, that's what I was doing. I was working in fashion at the time. So. Well, you do have a modeling portfolio. Thank you. Well, <laughs> so the fashion mindset continues and you're amazing and we need to get you out there more in the world because you're an cre incredible representative of just diversity across the board. Not only are you black and Latina, you are a woman and we need more voices like yours to be heard. That's right. We do need more women. We need more women to be represented in this, you know, especially the running community. Absolutely. 100%. So let's go to today. So yeah. what is important to you today? 
Um, well, I'm probably moving soon. I'm going to Houston. So, and that's going to be in the next few months, um, a new stage of my life, you know, obviously a new city that I've never lived in before. I felt like being in the center of the country might be easier for me to get around more places. We do have groups all over and I felt that Texas, we have a pretty big base and it's, you know, in the center, I can go Florida, New York, travel anywhere. And it's not as crazy from driving from, you know, driving or flying from New York to LA. So that will be happening in the next couple of months. Being that, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, I can't do any in-person events really. You know, we have to be very careful. So the rest of the year, we're just doing more virtual runs. Um, like I said, we just did Run for Justice. We just did Juneteenth run. We'll have a Pride run. We'll have Hispanic Heritage Month. It was in a full month of celebration. And, um, you know, we have a lot of virtual runs coming up. And for me, I mean, we obviously have to transition how we're doing, how the running community is operating nowadays. We obviously don't have races in person in most states. So now we have to think outside the box and start doing something different. People still love running. They still want to get a medal. They still want to, you know, clock in their Strava somewhere, you know, their time and compete against other people. So the options that are on the table right now is virtual. That's what everybody wants to do. And that's what we're going to continue to do. We've done it for years and now we're just going to be more focused on doing virtual, get our community active still, having them participate together, although virtually. And um, until things start opening up, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, when that happens. So let's say somebody wants to get involved with Latinos or Latinas run of any skin color like how can they get involved um they can obviously always contact me but we do have people who lead stuff in their communities like for instance we did a run for justice in phoenix arizona um they did a social distancing run but we have people in those particular communities that help lead those runs i can't be in every city but there are people who are more ambassadors that are in those particular communities that can kind of gather people whether it's virtually or when things open back up they'll do more races together and that's a great way also engaging on platforms you know sharing their experiences is extremely important when people see each other running they want to get involved in that particular event or that virtual run or whatever the case may be so joining our social media pages we have latinos run latinos run but we also have local groups like latinos run um you know new york city or or latinos run phoenix arizona they can join those groups they can meet people in their particular community and they can you know find new friends in a new community there so so, so i could join because i'm not latina doesn't matter we have asians we have whites we have you know blacks that are not latino it doesn't matter we've always been completely open um we, anybody we accept anybody doesn't matter who you are what age what color you know we're a very open group so yeah and anytime awesome. because of us, you'll see that there are people that are not Latinos in there. And anyways, you can't really always tell because Latinos are all colors. So, you know, you don't really know who's who anyway. So we don't care. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, I'm going to let you in just a minute get off to making your Greek feast tonight. And we're going to put that baklava recipe awesome. on the site. Amazing. You're going to have to take some photos. All right. Um, but before you go, I'm going to ask you the question I ask every guest. Who comes on the show, which is if you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what is yours? One piece of advice. Um, 
I don't know. I have so many pieces of advice. Um, be more open to meeting new people. Um, I guess that's one. Be more open to meeting new people and, you know, people that don't maybe look like you or do the same things that you love to do. I love it. It's a perfect message for this time and always. And I am so happy to have met you. Too. Thank you so much. And I hope I get to see you when I get to Colorado, you know. I know your retreat got canceled this year. Are you going to come to Estes Park sometime? Uh, next year. We are rescheduling for next year, so we'll be out there. So hopefully you can come out and maybe even come meet the group. That would be amazing. Oh, I would love it so much. What a perfect spot. Amazing. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for all the work you do in this world. You are helping a lot of people live happier lives. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. You too. Hey there. All right. I am back. How amazing is Maria? She is truly doing cool things. I believe that this is a woman who was called to connect people. She's a true connector. She is passionate she truly believes in the power of being open. As she said in her final nugget, be more open to meeting new people. That is how you are going to change your life for the better. And I'm going to repeat that quote I said in the middle of the podcast that it's the ending of her TEDx talk, which I highly recommend you watch. It's fantastic. She says, in order to create change, we cannot hope for it. We cannot expect it. We have to work together to create it. True that, I believe 100% in that philosophy. Uh, Maria is doing really cool things. Definitely check out Latinos Run. She also has a women's uh, subset called Latinas Run. She mentioned it in the interview. And uh, make sure you get on and follow her on social because she is a person to watch. You can reach out to her as well through any of her social media. I promise you, she will get back to you. She got back to me. So everybody, that is it for today. I just want to remind you that the podcast is rolling along again after a month break. Um, every once in a while, there'll be a little break between guests because as you know, I've got a lot going on in my life, just like all of you. And the next thing will come. It will come. I know it will. But right now I am going to focus on ending something incredible and doing it with the most grace and positivity that I can. Thanks everyone for supporting me. Thanks for following along with the journey. If you ever have questions, suggestions, advice, uh, connections for me, please, please bring them on. Um, my email, and I'm just going to tell you this, and I actually don't know how long this email is going to be in action. It's nicole.deboom at skirtsports.com. You can also message me through Facebook or Instagram. And unless all of you do it at once, um, I should get back to you fairly quickly. All right, everybody, that's it for today. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.